Welcome to the Elevate podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. Now let the business building begin. Today on the Master Builders Elevate podcast, we are joined by Nigel Benton. Nigel has been a Master Builder since 1996 and is the Vice President of the Auckland Master Builders. Nigel passionately promotes recycling and sustainability in construction. We talk about the challenges facing the construction industry and reducing waste and offer advice to fellow builders on how to embrace ringer methods. Nigel, welcome along to the Master Builders Elevate podcast. Delighted to have you on the show today. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, no, it's always good to be getting the message out there to more people. Indeed. So, Nigel, our big topic today is sustainability. I wonder if we might start with just trying to wrap a bit of a definition around sustainability. It's a word we hear in the media every day, just about now, all these organizations that are proclaiming to be more sustainable. In terms of our member base, our construction companies, when you think about sustainability, what, what is it that you think about uh, in that term? Oh, look, I think, yeah, like you say, I think there's a lot of greenwashing out there too and people using uh, things to, to make it look good. But I think as an industry, we, we haven't worried. Well, it's, it's been too hard for us because what we have is we're all under time pressures and everything else. And um it's easy just to throw it in a bin and, and get rid of our rubbish from site than to do anything else. And also, ordering-wise, you know, getting materials on time and everything else, we're just trying to possibly over-order at times. Um, some of the materials we have, the opportunity, or the the options that we have that we can use, are pretty limited as much as, as as sustainability goes. So I think we need to look at all of that as well. So when we're talking in this conversation about sustainability, we're talking really about the construction process much more so than how the house itself might be sustainable over the long term. Is that the bit that we're focused on here? Yeah, look, I think so. For us, the long-term thing is 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 a process that needs to be taken care of as far as maintenance-wise goes and, and what we're putting into it, I suppose, what we're specified with and everything else. I guess it's part of it. For us, what we've been doing is more on what comes out of it, the waste part of it, what comes out, what we're getting rid of, what goes to landfill every day. Yeah, I think there's some pretty scary stats around the amount of our landfill that is contributed by construction. Do you have an, a number off the top of your head that you're familiar with? Yeah, well, it's close to half, basically. What we're looking at of, of all construct of all waste that goes to landfill is construction waste. Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, that is, uh, that is terrible. Uh, not good for our environment or our uh, costs associated with managing our, our landfills, I'm sure. Um, but Nigel, you've taken a very proactive approach. I know you're an influential member in the Master Builders community. You're the vice president of the Auckland Master Builders. Uh, you've been around the construction game for, what would we say, a couple of years? A couple of decades? <laughs> a couple, a couple and, and a couple of years plus. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's scary how quick it goes. One minute, the young, you're the young one, and all of a sudden, you're the old one. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, I hear you. Um, and recently you did a uh, construction project in Newlyn and you took a very uh, conscious approach with your sustainability around that project. Can you give us a bit of a, a background on on that project and how you were thinking about the sustainability component leading into it? Yeah, look, I think it's something, you, and when you're in the industry, you think about quite a bit and, and every time a bin goes off site, um, you realise it doesn't magically disappear. It, it heads off to a landfill somewhere else. Um, so I'd seen an article from Mark Roberts, who's the Senior Waste Planning Advisor at Auckland City Council, 
on waste and construction. So I rang him up and we planned this project specifically around it, um, which was good. So part of it was we'll just start as a little idea and see how much we could do. And it turned into this um, process where they said, we'll give you a challenge of meeting 90%. Uh, so it was really good. You know, we met a lot of people on the way. Professor Terry Ann Berry, she's been very influential in this as well. Her team for what they did, especially around plastics, was amazing. So Nigel, can you just tell us that 90% number that you talked about there? Can you just define what that number referred to? Okay, so of all the waste that went from that site, we recycled, repurposed, 91% was the final figures. Um, a lot of that was possibly on plastics, which... There's a lot of plastic types that can't be recycled. If we could have had more areas where we could have taken that, we could have done a bit better. But that was a lot of where the, where the, where the balance of the figures went. And can you give us some specific examples of what you did to recycle materials coming out of the site? So we used a company called Jump Run um, specifically, which was a company that picks up your waste and repurposes it. So we did site separation on site which ideally, if you're going to get to bigger figures, that's where you have to go. So we separated everything on site in different types, timber, plastics, metal, hazardous, um, everything else. And, and then they took it and delivered it to the recycle sources, basically, which made our life easier. Um, a little bit harder since I talked to um, the guys the other day and they said that they're not looking at doing construction waste anymore. They're just going commercial, which makes it harder. You know, you're limited then to waste management who aren't great. In terms of on-site, so did you have separate bins on-site that you were doing that sorting on-site to manage or was it literally a kind of a pile you were you were putting those different waste types into and then junk run pick, pick them up? How did that work? Yeah, a bit of both to be fair. We had no skips on-site because so we made a conscious effort, no skips. Um, yeah, we had smaller bins uh, before each material. As far as timber went, we just had a stack. So we had a stack close to the gate where it was easy to pick up with just all off-cuts of timber types. Plastic we put into a bag, probably more like a wool sack, metre by metre-ish. Um, we stuck all our plastics into that. And, and for this, we were doing a survey basically as part of Unitech and um, with Terry Ann, and we took all our plastics there. They did the site separation of all plastic types back at Unitech and then they distributed it to the plastic recyclers for that. The final figures on plastic was something uh, around 800 kgs. So it was a fair wow. bit because plastic isn't that heavy. Part of that, I suppose, where does it come from? Three nail frames and we use cassette floors. For the, so each stack or piece that came had a sheet of plastic over it. For these eight terrace houses, we ended up with 86 sheets of plastic. Wow. Okay. Yeah, volume uh, just grows quickly, doesn't it, when you're doing that kind of uh, scale? And I don't think as an industry we don't see where it goes because it all just gets generally thrown in a skip. It gets mixed in with everything else and you don't actually see that volume. So once you start doing the separation, you do see the volume and then it becomes quite scary. Yeah, it does. And uh, this build that you're doing, was we was it a particular client you were building the whole eight uh, houses for? And I'm oh. interested whether, did they have a uh, particular desire to around sustainability? Were they interested in that project as aspect of the project as well? Yeah, so this was a development which we did and right. it was planned around that so yeah we were in control of everything look i think to be fair we could have taken a lot out of it but because we wanted to do this survey and see what a normal building site would go through we just wanted to go as we normally would so i didn't specifically ring anybody and try and 
reduce it, we thought we'll go through and see what most people are facing each day and then we can address it at the end of it. And uh, following the project, I'm interested in what were your, what were your learnings? Uh, what would you, what have you taken forward into maybe your current or future, future projects? And what do you think some of the initiatives might be with uh, the supply chain to help reduce waste before it even gets the site? Yeah, it's a huge one, isn't it? You know, this has sort of become like a full-time job now, to be fair. Um, we finished that development and, and it's been really good and we've we've got a great a lot of momentum going on what we did there. So now it's using that to get out to more people. Oh, look, we've got a, such a long way to go. What did we learn? We learned that it's not that hard. Anyone can do it. What are, what are we facing? We don't have enough recyclers. That's a huge thing. Uh, you know, we could do more, but we don't have the recyclers in place to take a lot of the products that we've got. So the big push now, what we've what we've started going into is trying to get manufacturers to, to be more responsible for what they're producing. We've talked to carters. Carters have been great. Mitre 10 started it, to be fair. They, they put a simple tick box in their ordering, online ordering um, portal um, if you wanted plastic wrap over the materials you're getting delivered and you had to tick it and that took out 97% of the plastic wrap from deliveries just from that one tick box. So we've sort of been talking to Carters for a while. I know they're doing a lot of, of stuff on their own and they've just taken out plastic from all their pre-nails, which is a great thing. You can, you have to specifically order it if you want it now. So that's that's going to take a huge amount of plastic out of that. We've met with the Frame and Manufacturers, Frame and Trust Manufacturers Association, and, and we're carrying on discussions with them, trying to get it down to all the other trusts and frame manufacturers. So we thought if we can go to the top and we can start coming down, we can start getting everyone to start making those changes. So it's been good. We've just got to keep pushing that. And Terry Ann's been very influential and a great help because she just knows so much and, and a lot of people in the industry. So we went down to the Master Plumbers last week, the conference down in Christchurch, spoke down there. They're really interested in what we're doing. And, and I think most people want to make these changes. They really do. But we've just got to make it easier for them, I guess, is what would we call ourselves, um, well, just everyone in the industry, I suppose. Um, we, Where do we go? We don't know where to go, where to start, who we ring, who the recyclers are. So we're trying to get an app together that would be very user-friendly on site. So you're on site, you've got plastic, you've got timber, whatever you open you at, shows you what type you have, you push on it, and it shows you where the recyclers are. Do they pick up? Do you have to take it to them? So if we can do that sort of thing, then it's going to make it so much easier for everybody. Terry and a team are working on a waste management plan that we can get to all building companies or any company, to be fair, who's interested. It's just a sort of bit of a tick box thing, and, and it shows people how they can do it, you know, where they're, where they're setting, setting up their waste management plan at the start, where they're going to put their bins, where they're going to set it up, who they're going to use to distribute. You know, these are the things we're trying to push out to more people some fantastic progress you've made in the background and I can see why you've uh, been a very busy busy boy being involved in this. It sounds like there's a lot of hours you've put in, Nigel, so thank you for your contribution. I'm interested and I'm, I'm sitting here going, oh, will our uh, other Master Builders members going, hey, that's nice, Nigel, but did it increase your cost massively and increase your time to build because you were doing a whole lot of additional effort on site? What would be your response to that question? Yeah, it was more expensive. And that's the problem you're facing, which is going to put more people off, you know, and this is what we need to, to, to try and reduce. Until we get more people recycling, we can't get the cost down, but you can't get the cost down until you get more people recycling. So it's all chicken and egg stuff. You know, we, we've talked to government saying, look, can you give a reduction? Maybe you could work through your consent costs or something like that, you know, 
you get a you get a discount if if you're doing the right thing if you're trying to do that. We, you know, council will introduce waste management plans shortly. I can see that happening. Um, my take on that is until you have the recycle sources in place, it's very hard to have a have a management plan there. So the other things you're facing, you know, so hence why we're working so hard trying to get this set up before we can actually get this out. But what I would say to other builders too, if they want a waste management plan, if they want to get into it, if you can contact either myself or, or Terry and Barry, we're happy to share that with them, come and see them, have a chat, talk online, whatever suits, and, and show them how they can get started and this themselves. Thanks, Nigel. And uh, we hear the term conscious consumer, where more people you know, in supermarkets are wanting to know that their uh, products are being uh, sourced from ethical providers, et cetera. But I'm interested, are you hearing in the market demand from people that are looking for construction? Is this, is this a question that uh, new home purchasers are starting to ask? Is that that aware yet? Yeah, it is. And I think it's up to us as builders to, to talk to your clients about that, you know, and push that to them. But I guess if you're a client too, you know, and you say, oh, it's going to cost me another seven to 10 grand to do the right thing. What can I buy with that seven to $10,000, you know? So this is how we have to start trying to get these costs down to do it. I guess on the context of what you're paying, it's probably not a lot, but you know, there's still a lot you can do with that sort of thing. So our push now, I guess, is to talk to manufacturers and get them to become more responsible for what they do, as I was saying before. I mean, ideally, isn't it, if you if every man- manufacturer had a recycle source or a pick-up-and-take-back source for, for their materials, then you'd have no waste going to landfill anyway. And the ideal situation is not it that gets turned back into the same product. Marley, for example, are doing some really good stuff on that. They'll take all their waste back and they're turning it back into new product so you know that's a start we need a hell of a lot more of it and, and then what we want to do is start you go to architects and you say to the architects okay we want you then to specify these products ahead of the other products which then puts more pressure back on the other manufacturers to actually change and, and without that i don't think that will happen but you know also if you're a manufacturer and you're making a product you know that all, all the waste is just going to end up in landfill how does that make you feel? You know, it's solely profit-based. I mean, that can't be great for anybody, surely. Indeed. And I think we see market opportunity. Uh, it's not all about being cost-driven. So if we looked at the uh, vehicle market, we've seen a huge rise in EVs. Lots of consumers making a decision to purchase an EV, which are typically more expensive than a petrol or diesel uh, car, but they're doing that because they have they're making that conscious choice. Uh, it's not going to be for everyone, but I'm sure in the uh, housing market when people are going, there will be members of the you know purchasing community who are actually are prepared to pay more. Just like some people will want to put in a fifty dollar sink tap, and other people will want to put in a seven thousand dollar one. You know, different uh, different demands, right? So I hear you. I think there's plenty of work to be done to make it more affordable, so it doesn't become a cost barrier. But it might also be an opportunity for some of the members to really position themselves in a niche in the in the construction market to you know really play that up and help them help them dif- differentiate between other people in the market. Oh, hugely, yeah, it is, and and it's something that we have to be as master builders. We've got to start pushing ourselves too. You know, we need to push this to our members and and, and just show them that it's not probably as hard as they that they think it is, and that it will make such a difference to us as a country. I mean, I had talked to someone the other day, and they said, "Oh, look, it's more India and China, yeah, you know, and, and and you know the US, you know, they made such a bit difference that we wouldn't have to worry about this." And I think, he, but isn't it the other way around? You know, if we can make a difference, then we can show them how easy it is and get them to change. I think the stats show at the moment that only 
5% of all plastic in the US is recycled, which is terrible. We don't want to end up like that. You know, we want to have products where we can turn it around. We don't want to throw stuff into the landfill. I mean, we're not going to, especially in Auckland base, we're not going to get another landfill. The one they're planning at the moment is the last landfill we have. So we have to start planning another way through there. And I guess that is a lever that uh, councils have to pull. They could make the uh, cost of using landfill prohibitive uh, to the point that you want to you want to recycle. I'm not suggesting they should, but you know that might be a, a lever they uh, they use as well. Okay. Um, what would be your advice out to other master builders members that are thinking about the sustainability but maybe haven't made any step in that direction yet? You talked about uh, getting the waste management plan from you, and we'll put your. Uh, um, details in the show notes so people can access that. What other advice would you give them, Nigel? Oh, just get started. You know, it's not that hard. We did. You know, you just, it's a phone call, isn't it? You know, um, and, and you're away and going. I think the issue, some of the smaller places, smaller towns out of the main centres where there are no recycling facilities, we're working now with maybe supplier merchants and things like that to say, can they have drop-off centres in their yards? And and then we use trucks to backload to the main centres where the, where the recycle places are. You know, you just sort of try and get the materials back. How do you work that out? So if you had plastic bags or plastic bins in, in the in the merchants' yards, then they could just be resent back to the main centres. When timber's delivered or materials are delivered, the truck's going back empty, they take that back there. So that's going to make it easier for a start. But also in each area, you know, we can get someone who's going to drive it, no matter where you are. If, if you want to get started, you stand up and you start driving that area, you start talking to your members or, or other builders in that area and start to get them on board. Yeah, I think it's that's what it is, starting the discussions, getting everyone into it and seeing the differences that we can make and realise that it's not as hard as what everyone thinks it is. Indeed. Um, I had one a curiosity question. You talked about the frame and truss all coming with plastic wrap and there was an option to kind of remove that. Um, am I correct in my assumption that the reason they were plastic wrapping them was for weather protection? Was that is that why they were wrapping in the first place? Yeah, it is. It is, and it probably I think over the lockdowns and, and periods we had when we couldn't get um, materials, it was possibly more important because I know they had big stacks out at out at the um, frame and truss manufacturers plants. You know because they couldn't deliver to certain things on time. Talking to them now, they're pretty well back on time now. Things have been delivered, so they're being manufactured pretty well the day before it gets delivered. Right. So it's not going to make any difference. And in our case, you know, that was made the day before it was delivered and we took it straight off. So if you're a normal building site, they just go straight off and throw it in the bin. I mean, then it's standard, it's stood up and it's got wet anyway. So it's, yeah, you know, it's a waste. It's a total waste of what they're doing. And I realise they're doing it to protect their product. But in doing so, what's the cost to everything else? And is it actually providing much advantage if it's being delivered to you the next day and then you're, yeah, as you say, standing it up and it's weather exposed until you can get it enclosed anyway? Yeah, and I think um, talking about the frame and truck manufacturers, what they're saying now is, you know, if, you, if you've got a hold up, then, then, then ring your supplier and just tell them you've been put back a week or a day or, or whatever and they can work the manufacturer around that time. You know, don't just say you still want to have it at that date and then complain that it turns up and it's wet. You know, we can work around that. It's just... Communication, isn't it? Just make everyone aware. Communication and planning, a couple of the uh, best tools in the builder's tool belt, aren't they, those two? Oh, you were bloody good at that. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's the one thing I suppose about the manufacturer shortages, at least it made a lot of the young guys realise that they can't just ring up the day before and get materials when they want it. Hey, Nigel, thank you for your contribution today, explaining to us what you've been able to undertake and also uh, the huge amount of work you've done in the background to... Uh, do exactly what you advise, which was just to get on and start doing it yourself. 
uh, and rather than uh, preaching from the pulpit, actually uh, making it happen. So uh, thank you to you for, for that. If there are other master builders, uh, branches around the country that would like to have you come and talk to the members, would you be open to doing some spots with them around the country? Sure, not a problem. Yeah, no, I think this is, um, we need to get this word out there and just real and just show them how easy it is, you know, and, and um, yeah, just share the message. I think it's great, really important that we do get it out to as many as we can. And what's your speaker cost? Is it sort of double sausage rolls or something as a, yeah, as a speaking cost? That's, yeah, yeah, anything's better than what I've been getting at the moment. So, yeah, we'll take whatever. Yeah, not a problem at all. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Hey, thanks, Nigel. Appreciate you sharing the insights and thanks for joining us on the Elevate podcast today. No problem. You're welcome anytime.